0: Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the Executive Director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello, and welcome to A Beautiful Church Podcast. I am Mickey Ann Harris, and I'm going to be your host today. We're on season five, and Adam and I have been exploring through this season different spiritual practices. So, as this podcast seeks to kind of focus on the beauty and diversity of Christ Church, you know, it seems only fitting to move into this episode of what it means to honor this beautiful and diverse body. With our beautiful and diverse bodies that we've been gifted with, so I've invited into the studio today, Joey Schlobes, to be our guest, and I'm going to explain a little bit why. But welcome, Joey. Thank you. I'm excited so glad to be that here. You're here. Yeah. Um, we have when we started doing rhythms retreats about five years ago, six years ago or so, um, and looking over those rhythms, it was kind of it was comfortable, you know, to teach to teach on them and to explore them. We were all kind of learning some of them together. But when we got to this one on honoring the body, I felt a little bit, uh, you know, out of my league. I felt like it was something that I could have maybe read up on and taught on, but it didn't feel real natural. So I remember, um, you know, just knowing you and knowing that this was a topic that was really dear to your heart. I reached out to you. To come and to lead that retreat. And you have done it ever since because it was just so meaningful for us. I remember us just sitting there with, you know, with just taking it all in and thinking, okay, we've never heard this before in a Christian setting. We've never heard this kind of beautiful information being given to us about honoring the body. So as we go into this, um, I thought, you know, Joey, um, our listeners probably don't know who you are. So tell us a little bit about um, just uh, maybe things that you love, people that you love, um, what you do vocationally, and then if you wouldn't mind just like moving right into um, why this topic personally became important to you, why you went down that trail of research and studying into this topic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And thanks for your kind words mm-hmm. about the, um, the retreats. Those have, it's actually been just as much a gift to me um, because I went to seminary and I didn't really know why I went to seminary. Mm. <laughs> um, basically, I got into seminary without um, undergrad. So I felt called to do the degree because I could get my master's without getting a bachelor's. Right. Um, and then when I finished and I wrote my, my dissertation um, on a theology of the body, I was kind of like, why did I do that? Like I didn't there wasn't really I didn't know what was gonna I wasn't gonna use it for a career. Um so yeah, so I'm I'm not a pastor. Um I am just really involved in my church. Um grew up in Texas and moved here to Chattanooga to actually help be a part of a church plant Mm -hmm. um about 10 years ago. Um and I'm a photographer and videographer. Um, which is a fun job, um, and I just care deeply about the church and about um, t- certain topics that are just under under mm-hmm. um, And I think going to seminary was really helpful for me because I went as a lay leader, just as a normal person who's a photographer. Um, And so I was able to go into the classes um, with just like a, how can this apply to my life in a different way than maybe someone who is going to preach every week or maybe do biblical based counseling or something like that. I was just going with a totally different perspective. So. Yeah, so because of that, I just went in thinking, okay, I want to learn about things and write papers on things and de- delve into mm-hmm. things that um, are maybe a little bit underexplored in the church.
1: I love that term, underexplored. And that's kind of how I felt, you know, when you came and spoke with us and shared with us it was definitely on something. And even, you know, that was just what maybe five or six years ago. And when I'm thinking about it, even this topic has kind of exploded a little bit since that time. So for us, as we were listening to you, it definitely was something that we hadn't heard explored before. And um, yeah, Joey mentioned that he is a photographer, videographer, and a very, very much in demand in our local area here. Um, We love Joey's work. You you did my my daughter's wedding. You've yes. done our staff photos yes. and, you know, all those things. So we really appreciate that part of who you are yeah. as well.
2: Absolutely. Me too. I love it. It's a fun job. But I also feel... um I, I was one of those homeschool kids that started doing photography at like 15, you know, and I didn't go to college because my business was doing so well. So mm-hmm. I always, I always have the, have had the sense of like, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a, my own business, but I also want to do more, you know, for the church. Uh, and that's where yeah. seminary and, and teaching have been just like a really fun kind of side hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to grow into it more, you know, as, as um, God opens doors. So
1: I don't think I'd heard that story before about how young you were when you started photography. Yeah,
2: yeah, I shot my first wedding when I was fifteen. No way. Yep, I made five hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> that is pretty awesome yeah. for your first gig. I know.
2: Yeah. It's so good. I've been I've been a wedding photographer for twenty years now. This my is goodness. my 20th year. So amazing. Pre- pretty wild. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. So I can imagine. You know, you were, um, and I appreciate too your your approach of going into seminary. You know, uh, being a layperson, as you said. And um, I'm wondering, do you remember when this topic kind of caught fire in your soul of maybe what you were uh, reading or what you were interested in when you said, wow, this is something I want to explore more? Do you remember that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. It was it was probably multiple things. Uh, the, the one uh, one thing that really um, started bringing in uh, this topic of what is this? What what is a Christian uh, biblical perspective of having a body and why it matters and what's what's it for? Um, was probably having having children and um, and wrestling with like really mundane normal parts of parenting, like mm-hmm. um, like screen time and uh, when should we play outside and when should we turn on a TV show and um, my wife had um, had been raised mostly in front of the television, so she really wanted to do like really uh, thoughtful rules around technology. Yeah. Um, I wasn't raised with really any rules <laughs> around it. You know, I just played video games all the time and stuff. Um, so, so her her wanting that and pushing for that had made me just start thinking like, wow, this is good. And I saw that our kids really flourished well um, mm-hmm. through just play, just using their bodies to play. And so it just made me think, man, I wonder what the Bible has to say about. <laughs> Uh, the topic of play and the topic of technology. And, um, and so it was really practical for me. Like what would, what would the Bible say about screen time, you know, or um, what would it say about the importance of, of getting your, getting off the couch? So for me, it was like a parenting question um, is kind of where it started. Um, And, and that's one piece of the pie. The other piece of it was um, being in seminary and um, knowing that I, at least in, in this, season of life that I have been in of raising young children and running a business, I didn't feel uh calling to church plant or be a pastor. So I started looking at um like the th- like theological underpinnings of kind of normal life almost, like the what does it mean to be a normal human, huh. not a pastor. I think I had a little bit of a um hierarchical, dualistic view of vocations before seminary where I thought like being a, a pastor, a worship leader, a missionary, you know, a nonprofit leader; those are like God's jobs, and then every everything else is like the world's jobs or Satan's jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably just you know from my fundamentalist upbringing, um, mm-hmm. but and of course it's not true. Um, but I just kind of saw those jobs as more important; those vocations as more important. And so when I went into seminary, um, I wanted to kind of figure out why I believe that right, um, falsely right. believe that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I got really interested in studying like what. Is the mundaneness what is what does a, a a good life look like uh for every person that's a follower of jesus um biblically like what's the what is a mundane holy good life supposed to be is it mean become does everyone become a pastor and i don't think i don't think it, it means everyone should become a pastor <laughs> so um yeah so it was very practical very mundane questions that led me to this topic
1: yeah i hear that in what you're saying uh you know beginning to raise children those questions that naturally arose from that of of wanting them to flourish, as you said, and to have a healthy, healthy life and a life full of play, and then just what it means to be a, just a mundane human. So, coming out of that, um, can you just maybe define for me and for for our listeners of, you know, we hear the term embodied spirituality, and um, and so how do you how would you define that for us? What does that even mean? Uh, And why, you know, why should we value the body and honor the body as Christians? Mm,
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, um, I think that one of the things that I, um, I, as I've I've read and and followed Jesus and and been in the church, um, the emphasis has always been on abstract ideas, um, having faith, um, uh, praying, um, you know, kind of in your prayer closet, um, believing that Jesus died and rose again, you know, these, the, these super important, um, foundational truths that are, you know, cornerstones of what it means to be a Christian. But they were, uh, for me had a very abstract, like, like basically if I just believe these things in my mind, then that meant that I was a, a Christian. Um, and, And so the, the word embodied has become very, very popular in writing and, um, and a lot of different cognitive psychology is, is, is studying kind of the, the way the body shapes the mind. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's just become super important for me, um, in so many different ways. And I think what, what for me it started with is I started really studying Genesis, um, the, the creation account, um, and I, was, I really got interested in looking at – and I read so many scholars and so many ancient um, Near uh, Eastern, Eastern um, scholars that, that have written so many books on this topic – that I got really interested in what does it mean to be made in the image of God, um, and that's where it really started for me uh, to understand t- what does it mean to have a body and w- and how does that play into our spirituality, um, and so I've after year literally five six years of just reading books and essays and articles and and researching and thinking through this I've really come away with um, there's two. Main things that that we're created to be, or to have, or to participate in, um, and they have to do with having a body, um, and they they stem from this notion of of that all humans are made in the image of God. Most of church history, um, we've thought that to be made in the image of God meant that we had reason, or that we um, that that that's what separated us from the animals is that we could rationalize, um, which is a very Greek kind of philosophy um, idea around what it means. To be a human, person, um, but when you read and study um, a lot of ancient Eastern scholars, what you see is that actually that's not the Jewish imagination. Like Ju- the Jewish imagination is not form the way the Greek imagination was, and so to be made in the image of God, actually um, it, it, it was similar. The word "image" is, is uh, the same word for idol. Basically, it's like the, uh, the idea of a statue. Um, what you would have is you would have a king in some area, like in Mesopotamia, and he would put his idol uh, in that. Region, and it would be a statue that looked just like him. And mm-hmm. below it would have his, you know, his name, and that he was the ruler of this area. And that statue, that idol, represented himself, but also mm-hmm. represented his authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you have the same thing happening in the Genesis account, where um, G- the, the the whole cosmos is kind of like the region that God rules over, the whole mm-hmm. entire universe. And in the middle, he puts his statues mm-hmm. to represent himself that look like him. And that show that he has authority over this, over this land. And, and of course, like I said, the word idol is the same word for image. Um, And so to be made in the image of God, there's so many different ways of thinking about it from this kind of Jewish imagination sense. But I think the simplest way to think about it is that we're created to have embodied presence and embodied attention, and those are kind of the two kind of uh, dual aspects of what it means to be made in the image of God. And both of them involve being in our bodies. And of course, when we say embodied, that's what we mean. We mean being physical, being in our, in our flesh and in our skin.
1: Can you unpack those two um, for us just a little bit?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, embodied um, presence, um, it means that God, so God creates us and he, he creates us to dwell with him. Um, you could say that all of the uh, drama and story of the entire entire biblical mar- narrative is about reclaiming the dwelling that happens in the mm. garden, right? Um, and 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 to dwell, the only way you can dwell with somebody is you have to be ha- be physically present. You, you know, we dwell in houses, and therefore we physically enter the houses. Um, and so, one of the main themes of uh, redemptive history and of scripture is. Uh, that God is is finding a way to to do, for us to dwell with Him again, and we are trying to find a way to to dwell with Him again, to break through that barrier that has been lost. Um, and so, uh, so embodied presence means is that we were created uh, by God to physically dwell with Him in the garden. That He walked with us in the cool of the day. There's in Genesis. It's really interesting because there's all this very embodied language around God, like that He's physically there and so physically true. moving a lot, mm-hmm. and that shows up a little bit again and again through different what's called theophanies like when jacob wrestles with god right. um that that he's physically somehow touching him <laughs> it's a really interesting thing that happens in scripture especially in the in the early in the pentateuch in the in the torah um so yeah so embodied presence meaning that we were created to live in our bodies and to have presence with god mm. um and that but Since the fall, and that's the thing that we the the whole entire Old Testament sacrificial system is built around is reclaiming that presence to getting the presence back and that of course is what um, uh, is always the 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 tragic thing that happens is when the presence leaves the temple or leaves and departs from his people um, it's this tragic tragic thing and of course that's mm-hmm. what we celebrate in the incarnation is that God has become again mm-hmm. fully present um mm-hmm. with us he's become embodied physically um so he's he's brought embodied presence so it's incredible so yeah so that's what it means to have embodied presence is is that it's this relational um kind of sonship daughtership aspect of what it means to be made in the image of god that we um, we physically dwell in our bodies, and we have presence and relationality with Him, and that can only happen through uh, through our physical bodies, yeah, right? That's so the, true. That's the tragedy of death is that the this, this, the spirit soul is removed from the body, mm-hmm. and 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 w- as Christians, we believe that that's not how it's supposed to be. That we're that they're supposed to be bound together forever, right? Um, so that's the tragedy of death is, is that we lose the, the embodied presence of a loved one, you know? And so that's what makes it so hard. Um, but that's what we're created for. So that's one aspect of it.
1: That's well said, Joey. Um, I love that. So embodied presence. And I think the other one that you said was embodied attention. Mm -hmm, What is that about?
2: Yeah. So, um, when God creates, um, Adam and Eve and puts them in the garden, um, The other aspect of what it means to be made into the God, you could say that the embodied um, presence piece is like a, is a vertical relationship. It's kind of like, uh, up and down relationship that we, we have our identity in Him. We know that we come from Him. We know Him because we can see Him and touch Him. We're walking with Him in the garden. Um, but also He doesn't just put Adam and Eve in the garden. And just tell, us, tell them just to, just to chill, just like sit by the lake and, you know, eat everything except for the bad fruit. Yeah. Um, but he actually gives them a job mm. to do. Um, and not only is it to name animals, um, but also it's to fill the earth and subdue it, right? Um, mm. which, which scholars call this the cultural commission. Um, it's this idea that uh, through our bodies – we are to take kind of the raw materials of of creation that is in front of us, and and create and push out the boundaries of the sacred presence of the garden. This it's this idea that that we're uh, the, the Garden of Eden reflects, of course, the temple. It's very similar to t- temple language, mm-hmm. where there's like the the Holy of Holies, which is kind of the Garden of Eden. And the picture that you see um, in in Genesis is that the cultural commission is is Adam and Eve were supposed to p- push the boundaries of the garden through uh cultivation through farming and through uh husbandry, you know, naming animals and teaching learning how to raise animals. And by doing so, uh the, the goal was to expand the garden all to the ends of the earth, right? Um, which is this beautiful picture, but it's, it was to be done through embodied attention. In other words, um, through physically participating with the raw materials of the world, through physically participating with one another and procreating, yeah. right? So um, the cultural commission, um, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, is, is a command to not just um, be physically present in the garden and to have presence with God, but also to be attentive to, Um, to the, to the job that's in front of, of, of image bearers. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, uh, it's not enough to be physically present to our children or to our spouse, you know, sometimes we'll be on our phone and our spouse will say, "Can you just be present right now? Can you just like be here, like right now?" And of course, it's, they're calling us away from these distractions and and to being physically there and and physically showing up to the conversation. But it's not enough to do that it's, uh, with our relationships and with our spouse and with our children. We also need to. Um, to be attentive, right? That we need mm-hmm. to like think about the, the status of the relationship and how I can love my wife better or how I can be a better father and, and coach my children through these these different things that they're going through. Um, so those are the two aspects is being – physically present, um, embodied attention, or embodied presence rather, um, being in our bodies and being physically present with God and with each other, but also uh, having embodied attention, which is a very broad term, but I I use that intentionally to describe the idea of, of interacting with the world around us and creating culture, both through procreation, when two bodies interact in a certain way, you actually yeah. get more bodies, right? which is mind-blowing. Yes, it is. Um, But also, when a body interacts with a forest, that eventually you'll have farmland, and eventually some trees will get cut down, and you'll have houses, right? So all of culture comes through us participating with the materials of the world around us so it's this idea that god gives us um wheat and we can turn it into bread we take the raw materials we use our bodies to kind of um uh, push out the chaos and create order and put order to the thing and we create something even better than what god gave us right Mm -hmm. he he gives us something good and we can make it very good Mm -hmm. he gives us grapes and we can take grapes and make them into wine right um and you can expand that across any you know any topic essentially so um so those two aspects embodied attention and embodied presence are fundamental to what it means to be human i believe not just to be christian but just to be human Mm -hmm. um to be fully physically present um, with ourselves, and of course with our Creator, um, and of course as a Christian, we believe in the, the Holy Spirit, and that, that after um, the Ascension, Jesus sends His Spirit to be with us, so we can have the pre- the presence has been recovered, right? Um, but also that we are to be attentive to our lives, and and and, and it's and it's a physical thing. It's not just like a, a rational abstraction where we just think about our lives, but we actually have to physically do things with our vocations and with our homes and with our you know, we have to physically take out the trash. If we don't take out the trash physically, the chaos of trash, eventually our house will be infested with rats and then someone will die of a disease, you know. So there's a very like um, meat and bones aspect to this way of thinking about what it means to be human. I think that's really important.
1: Wow. That's beautifully said. Oh, <laughs> It's a um, lot, so hopefully it, it wasn't is a too lot, much. but it's very clear about you just being made in the image of God and um, that embodied a, t- a presence and a embodied attention and how that was lived out in the garden and how it's been a commission for us culturally right now, how to be fully present in our bodies and how our bodies move out into the world to to do what we're called to do and and I also love the way that you demonstrated that within your own family, you know um, how. Important embodied uh, presence is with those that you love and you share space with, and in your attention of not being distracted. Um, I was thinking about, did you ever see the movie The Incredibles? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes is there. In there, I don't remember their names, but when the the mom is, you know, the kids are going crazy, it's just this chaotic, crazy scene, and, and the dad is totally distracted. And she says, engage, Bob, you know, just to, <laughs> for him to, to give his attention, because things are, are crazy and exploding, and um, he's needed. Uh, so you and I were talking a little bit earlier um, before this podcast, you know, and um, and we think about like this ideal that God had for us, and how you've just so beautifully communicated that. And we were discussing a little bit about, you know, there's there's different things that kind of assist that what well, you've just described and there are certain things that um, that hinder and we we were speaking of technology um, as being something that now we deal with in our culture um, and where we find ourselves in, um, in in just this age where we live but you were mentioning some of the you know that it brings with it both positive and negative ways to be fully, Um, present and fully attentive so i just wonder if you we could get onto that subject a little bit about something that seems like such a big barrier to this embodied presence and what do you have to say about that to us joey yeah
2: great question so uh if you follow the the biblical storyline um what happens, of course, is is the fall, right? So we're we're in the garden, and God has given us, you know, the, the cultural commission to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Um, and out of that, of course, is what uh, eventually would lead to uh, uh, civilization, right? So you have houses, and you have farming, and you have things that you have more children being born through procreation. And so that's part of the command that God gives is basically, like, create culture, like, make buildings, make mm-hmm. cities grow. Um and and biblical scholars have called this this paradigm this kind of Genesis uh, to Revelation paradigm the garden to city paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but it's this idea that, that the Bible starts with a garden and ends in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the center of the city is a garden. <laughs> um, and and so then what it what it means is that the, ne- the 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 there's there's one way to think of it is that there's two great uh commissions in scripture. Um, there's the the great commission, which is the one that all of us, if we were a Christian, you were raised, you know, um, um, which is you know baptize save people baptism yeah. in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit yeah. teaching them to observe all I command you right to go to go out to all the nations um, so that's one great commission is the is or, or cr- one of the two commissions is the great commission the other commission is the cultural commission and that's the one that going to seminary I had never really heard about yeah. or never really learned a lot about but how important it is to think about two it's almost like two wings of an airplane um, to, to have both of them in tension with each other um, so one way to think about kind of the big picture of scripture and what it would say about the cultural commission is that we live between the garden and the city and one of the jobs one of the main jobs of of uh, believers is to prepare for the coming city of God, um, the New Jerusalem that will come right. out of heaven and, and, and into earth, and all the kings of the nations will bring their glory mm-hmm. into the city, um, which is a picture of kind of the best of human craftsmanship that the nations right. have produced. Right? That, that the scripture says actually that um, the best of human human craftsmanship will be in the new city of Jerusalem, right. which is you know this which is heaven, right? <laughs> that's the that's the new creation, mm-hmm. um, and so if we live mm-hmm. Between the garden and the city, um, then the, the 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 goal then, or the job as image bearers, is for us to. Um, to take uh, chaos in the world and put order to it, to take things that um, are broken and tattered and torn apart and to bring uh, restoration, to bring shalom, right? This, this uh, uh, ancient Jewish word that, that doesn't just mean it's usually translated as peace, but it really means like a a reweaving of the fabric of the world, a restoration of kind of the interlocking fabric of, of society and of civilization. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what is our job is is to prepare for the coming city of God. Um, and if you think about uh, that, that kind of bookend of the Bible, you know, from starts in a garden and ends in a city, um, it, it, it's really encouraging, actually, because it gives like a, a, you know, that how is my job if I'm a, a doctor? How is that repairing and creating peace in the world, uh, mm-hmm. to pushing back against chaos and pushing back against the evil one to create shalom in the world. And that that actually is how we prepare for the coming city of God. Um, because anytime you take garden to its logical conclusion, gardening will always eventually produce a city, right? Because once you have enough gardeners, then more people can become engineers. Um, more people can start building houses because you have, you know, enough people taking care of the food and farming and then more houses creates more specialists, which creates more people to study laws. And so society starts with farming. Mm -hmm. It always has. Um, With hunter gathering and and figuring out how to make crops grow for the village, you know, so it's just a beautiful paradigm so I'm taking a long time to answer your question. It's okay. the, the, what happens is, is this the fall happens? So our, um, the sin enters in. We disobey and we're banished from the garden. Um, and and the first great kind of technological moment in scripture. This is not something that I, most people have thought much about. But have you ever thought about the first like what is the first time that technology was really used in the Bible?
1: I haven't thought, about, thought it? about it, but now that you mention it, this is going to be fascinating. So yeah. do tell us. So
2: the first time that the technology is used in the Bible to a great like end is the Tower of Babel, the building and mm. constructing of the Tower of Babel, um, which is a rival city of God. It's basically doing what, what happens in Revelation is the city of God comes down. You know the New Jerusalem comes down, but what's happening in Babel is we're trying to go up, oh, that's right? So true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this idea of we if we can build it high enough that we can reach the heavens, um, and it's be, it's being done by our own innovation, by our own uh, technology, by our own building the wow. stones a certain way, um, so that we can reach up to the heavens and have heaven on earth. But we're doing it without, um, without God, right? <laughs> so, um. So that, and, and and by the way, the enemy throughout all of Scripture is uh, of the city of God, of the New Jerusalem, is always Babel, Babylon. Babel and Babylon are the same word in the, in the, yeah. in the Old Testament, in mm-hmm. Hebrew. So, like, throughout Revelation, you have the whore of Babylon or the prostitute of Babylon, mm-hmm. like, contrasted with the New Jerusalem. Those are always kind of right. the two rival cities. So really, um, the paradigm in scripture is not, uh, it's not as simple as garden to city, it's really more like garden to two cities. Mm -hmm. And that our job as Christians is to be good um, discerners of culture, good discerners of what we're doing and how we're interacting with it with our physical, interacting with culture and uh, with our physical bodies, and how, which city are we uh, leading our lives towards? Which city are we preparing? Are we preparing more Mm -hmm. of a city of Babylon or are we preparing more of a city of New Jerusalem? And um, so that's kind of the big 30,000-foot view of the question of technology is, um, is social media um, more – Babel, Babylon, or is it more yeah. New Jerusalem? Um, are payday loans, you know, more yeah, Babel, yeah. Babylon, or New Jerusalem? And I think um, with every sort of um, ethical question or question about how we live our lives and what we put our money into, what we support, what we lift up in our communities, mm-hmm. that's a question that Christians need to ask: Is w- which which city is this pushing us towards? Mm-hmm. Is it pushing us more, more towards chaos and 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 a, a, a kind of a Babel idea of we can do this on our own throughout? own innovation, through our own technology, or is it pushing us more towards a new Jerusalem? Um, so that's like the 30,000 foot view of the, uh, I don't know if you want to reflect on that for a second, but that's a very big view of scripture. And I can go more into more detail about technology and the body if you would like.
1: Yeah, well, that is an incredible picture. Um, I have never thought of that before. And um, what an image to have in our minds, a visual image of these two cities. And, you know, with our cultural commission that we've been given um do you know to consider which which city we're headed towards which city are we sewing into what what is really um what kind of impact are we making so that is yeah i've never thought of that joey i appreciate that so come down a little further then <laughs> yeah. in your in your your view yeah
2: absolutely so um so if we're thinking about, um, like, th- that we're created to have embodied presence and embodied attention, um, kind of s- s- uh, grounding that idea um, is, is the doctrine of the incarnation, which mm-hmm. is the idea that God becomes a body, yeah. right? And that God still has a body, which is not something we often think which about. Which is but so
1: astounding. To yeah, right.
2: That. He still has a physical <laughs> body, like that he took, he took on materiality yeah. and he still has that. In himself, which is crazy, that God became molecules, and He still has molecules right. as a part of His nature, and um, and that's not something we think about. But that's what when we celebrate the ascension, that's what we're celebrating is that God ascends to the right hand of the Father, but He doesn't like come out of His body, no. like shed His meat suit, takes um, His
1: body and His wounds with Him. Right,
2: right. So, yeah. so if you take this framework and then and then put it on top of um, kind of my normal everyday life. One of the things I found as I was like parenting and just living my life is how often um, technology was disrupting my ability to be physically present. It's yeah. um, mainly because of distractions, right? Um, and that became. Uh, something I just noticed and paid attention to a lot more. And especially with my kids, just how often um, it was tempting to, you know, be around the dinner table, physically present with each other, uh, but then wanting to whip out like an iPad and give it Mm -hmm. to my children so that I can talk to my wife without interruption. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the reason people do that is because it's parenting is hard. It's hard to, to raise human beings, Um, but it's supposed to be hard. You know, that's Mm -hmm. actually what it's designed for is it's supposed to be hard. Um, so um, taking taking these different ways of thinking about uh, of scripture, these kind of the big, big picture of 30,000 foot view of which city are we going towards, which city are we discerning ourselves in, I, I, I found myself bringing that into this very normal everyday things. And what I realized is that one way to think about uh, the body from a Christian perspective is to think about technology um, because technology always relieves us of the burdens of our bodies, or at least the, the, uh, the bar- burdens we find or we think we have. So for example um, you know, a car relieves us of the burden of walking everywhere. Um, uh, a, a medical equipment relieves us of the burden of dying of COVID, you know? Um, so it's not always bad, but um, uh, what has happened is that um, being physically present and is such a vulnerable thing that we have in our Western societies have bought into the lie that all um, burdens, embodied burdens, should be done away with.
1: Relieved, yeah, yeah that
2: all of them should be relieved, mm-hmm. not just the medical ones. Yeah. Um, and so we shouldn't walk anywhere. Um, we should text instead of call. So, I mean, think about like oh. text messaging relieves you of the burden of having to talk. Talk to somebody with your voice, right? And so um, if you call somebody and talk to them with your voice, you're opening yourself up to a certain amount of vulnerability. It's kind of scary a little bit, especially if you don't know them very well, and you have to chit-chat and be like, how's your day going? And and instead of just asking, like, can you be here at five, you know? And so text messaging um, relieves you of the burden of, of the, the embodiment of using your voice, basically. Yeah. And so all technology, it always seeks to do that. And, um, and how- see-
1: I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking too, and maybe you're about to say this, but even um, technology re- relieving us of a burden, even the burden of anxiety or the burden of um, of sadness or the emotions that we deal with, those that are, feel burdensome, we turn to technology in a sense to numb out and relieve us from carrying that emotional exactly. burden yeah. as well.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, because it's too... Um, painful to be physically present oftentimes yeah. because so many people have trauma and so many people have different um, like you said maybe anxieties that they can't figure out how to deal with so technology has become a way in which we can kind of remove ourselves from our physical presence mm. um, because it's too painful to be in it right. I think it's Blaise Pascal that said that like all the problems of humanity um, stem from his inability to sit alone in a room by himself yes. with his thoughts. Right. You know, um, and so uh, it is hard to be physically present mm-hmm. um, to ourselves and to the world around us because there is so much usually trauma from our past but there's also pain and anxiety in the present um but one of the things i think that's important to know is that um to be human is to struggle through uh difficulty i mean it it's so important to uh to go through the process of being embodied um just think about like um having a relationship with somebody um friendship is not instantaneous Um, to have friendship, you have to have lots and lots of awkward moments, (laughs) lots and lots of interactions, lots and lots of time together, um, usually physical. Like you have to be physically uh, in front of people. It's Mm -hmm. very hard to have a really close relationship with somebody over the internet. Um, But you have to be physically present. And and through that kind of struggle of getting together, of having coffee, of of history, of time, of those interactions, you eventually will have the fruit of a a friendship. Um, And part of the problem in our Well, today that's largely driven by technology is that we want the result of that thing like friendship but we don't want to go through the process of of the hard work it takes to get friendship and so it's not a coincidence that you know we add friends on facebook right Mm. um or we get likes on facebook um or we follow each other on on twitter and instagram um and it's this very much. I mean, everybody knows this. It's not like a surprising thing, but it's a counterfeit version mm-hmm. of the real thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The same thing with like, um, people that want to be married and have, uh, like a fulfilling sex life with their spouse. Like, um, it's, it's hard to go through the process of not only becoming married, finding the right person, but also like maintaining a healthy marriage with somebody. Yeah. And part of the result of that can be one aspect of the many different aspects of that are wonderful about having mar- being married and, and working <laughs> on your marriage is that you can have a good sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, And But in our culture, largely driven by technology, it it wants to rob us of the process Mm. of that hard stuff. You could say Mm. it's kind of like farming. It's like pulling the weeds out of the ground. It's watering the dirt. It's, you know, tilling the soil. Um, It's getting rid of the bugs. And eventually you have a crop. Um, Technology wants to, uh, it wants to, it, it helps us to Uh, skip over all that hard stuff, the farming, the digging um, so that we don't have to have, you know, just a fulfilling sex life in our, in our marriage. It brings us pornography, Mm. right? It brings us like this counterfeit version where you, where we feel like we can get the fruit of the work without having to do the work. Mm. Um, And that's true with almost everything that technology touches is that it will give you a counterfeit version um, without having to go through the process. And the reason why so many of us don't want to go through the process is because the process is hard. Yeah, um, the process of tilling and 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 uh, pulling weeds—you know—I'm using the farming metaphor again—is is difficult and challenging. Yeah. Um, but uh, to be human is to go through the process, right? Of of the mm. difficulty and the challenge uh, uh, of working through a thing to get the result, right? It's a picture yeah. of farming, mm. um, and and that's very much from from the Garden of Eden, obviously too. So it's not an inappropriate metaphor, but.
1: Well, you caught my attention. I mean, when you said you're talking about being a parent that it's meant to be hard, you know, and then going on to speak about relationships and all that's required of us in relationships, the hard work and, and there's, and even all of the other things that we've been called to this cultural commission, everything is meant to be, it's meant to be difficult, uh, or it's meant to be tough, or, you know, we're meant to grow to be better people through the effort and stronger people through the effort. Um, So you caught my attention through that, and I can see where the the temptation is always there to to escape and to be released from that burden, Um, the emotional burden, the relational burden uh, in every way. So I... Uh, why don't we, Joey, take a break um, for just a moment, and we will come back. I'm again. I'm with Joey Schlabs, and we are talking about honoring the body. And so we're going to take a break and come back and get into some maybe some practical ways that we can be more present and attentive. We'll be back.
0: Are you a worship leader or creative in Chattanooga? Do you long for the church to come together and worship Jesus across all dividing lines? The Union is a community of creatives in Chattanooga seeking to build unity while celebrating differences. The Union holds
2: many different events, including citywide worship nights, where all churches can gather and worship together. Since community is so vital, we host dedicated gatherings that focus on building relationships so you can connect and do life together with like minded people from around our city. To get connected and to know more about
0: upcoming events, You can follow us on social media at The Union Chattanooga or check out our website at chathop.org.
1: I'm continuing my conversation with Joey Schlabs about honoring the body. And, um, Joey, we were, you know, considering as we go into this last section of our time together, um, we have had this whole season on different spiritual practices and exploring those. And as we think about those, they, you know, most of them require real intentional, um, embodiment, you know, like you were saying with fasting or with, um, with prayer, you know, we can be, we can be physical even in our praying or walking and praying, thinking of different ways to do that. We, you know, they, they take, um, a physical dimension and, um, effort is required, there's some discipline that's expected of us. Like you said, it's not easy. It's it's hard to cultivate some of these spiritual rhythms in our life to where they become where we become, they become second nature to us so that we're not as much thinking about that rhythm as we are, being able to open ourselves to God and be attentive and present you know, to God. So that's what a lot of these rhythms and practices help us to do, is to be more physically present and attentive to our relationship with God. So as we talk about that, is there anything that you would bring up that are spiritual practices or rhythms that would assist us in all that we have been discussing so far?
2: Yeah, yeah, good question. So I think I would probably start just more broadly... Uh, um, and then and then hone into spiritual uh, disciplines which is that um, I I would, would advise people and this is something I've my wife and I've really tried to practice is that anytime that we have to make a decision about a thing whether it's like food or uh, you know how, uh, what do we go do today or sh- uh, should we hang out with people you know it's any sort of mundane normal life decision or what should our kids do right now you know um, we really do try to uh, choose the thing that has the most embodiment and the most attentiveness um, because that's what it means to be human is to uh, have physical presence mm-hmm. and, and, and to be attentive to how we're going about in the world.
1: So give me an example of that. Yeah, so a,
2: a simple example is, is play with friends. So our, or with our kids, Like uh, to not be present and to not be attentive would be to turn on a, a movie on the iPad or let mm-hmm. them play a video game. Um, to be more physically present would be, hey, why don't you go see if Easton can come over, Oliver, and y'all can play together, and and right. y'all can do something physical together. Yeah. I can always tell in my neighborhood what which parents have like rules around technology and which mm-hmm. ones don't, because the ones that do have rules, I see their children playing outside. You
1: actually see their kids, yeah, you see and them outside and they're
2: running and playing <laughs> yeah. and climbing and swimming and playing in the water hoses, you know, whatever. Right now, we've got water hoses out everywhere because it's so hot outside. Yeah. Um. And so, and I think that's true, too. So, same thing with food. Like, if... If, um, uh, if, if there's a way in which uh, that we can be physically present uh, and attentive to food it would look like cooking a meal from scratch yeah. um, and there's something about the, the hard process right we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier about how the process of going something something difficult actually creates some sort of beauty even though it's can mm-hmm. be suffering I, I've come to believe that there's actually you cannot experience beauty without suffering mm-hmm. I think they're intricately connected mm-hmm. um, there's something about going through a hard thing that produces this beautiful result mm. um and a, a simple example is like if you make a meal from scratch and, and then you're able to sit down and eat it there's something that's really beautiful about that versus just like getting uber eats or right. you know getting you know burritos from taco bell <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right and so if you have the option uh, to, uh, it's always better to choose the more embodied where you're using your body more and, and attentive, physically intensive thing. Um, so f- like with the food example, when you're cooking them, from scratch, you're using your hands or cutting, you're l- reading instructions, you're moving things around the mm-hmm. kitchen, you're getting different ingredients versus if you're just getting takeout or eating mm-hmm. a restaurant, you're not doing any of that. It's just being brought to you. Um, and so uh, and that can be true with any sort of habit uh, or ritual or routine is that um, same thing. What I always tell people too is like, if, if you can call somebody versus text them, calling is a more physically embodied act because you're using mm. your voice and the voice has something powerful about it. it's like where yeah. the spirit of a person is revealed because mm-hmm. it's the breath of it's your physical breath, oh. right? Spirit and breath. Um and so if you can call them versus text them, it's always better to call them because it's using more of your body, but there is something that's more beautiful about that, mm-hmm. even though it can be more hard. Yeah. Um, so that's I think just the general rule of thumb more broadly is that if you c- the more you can use your your body and your attention when you're doing something, the better. So if you can walk somewhere instead of drive, there's something mm-hmm. beautiful about walking mm-hmm. Yeah, there that yeah. you become more aware of your neighborhood so true. you interact with your neighbors not everybody can do that obviously because our yeah. cities aren't built like European cities unfortunately mm-hmm. so we can't really walk um, especially in this heat but um, uh, so yeah I think walking uh, or if you can bike instead of walk there's something about biking that really connects you to a place and connects you to neighbors and to the problems in your neighborhood the things you need to be praying about in your neighborhood mm-hmm. so I think that those are just like the two general rules of thumb is not only that we are created to have embodied presence and embodied Attention in our lives, but also that when we do a thing, a habit, uh, make a decision in our lives, how important it is to do it in a physical. So, going to church. So, let's take it to a more spiritual level. Um, going to church, like physically mm-hmm. showing up for church. Um, is if you're physically embodied in the space um, and you're being attentive to your life you're actually saying I want to be a certain right. kind of person where I gather with the people of God mm. and that's a it's, it can be a hard thing to do that you know uh, going to church is like going into the ocean there's, there's yeah. beautiful parts and dangerous parts <laughs> right. um, so uh, it's, it, it, people have trauma around that as well mm. so it's a very hard thing to work through but um, the process of doing that there's something that be- beauty emerges out of that experience even though it is hard and um, and, and you take that then into the spiritual discipline. So, even think about like taking communion um, or being baptized. Like, you're mm-hmm. doing something that's a physical thing and you're being attentive to it. And you're knowing that it's doing and forming you in a certain way every time we t- take Jesus' body and blood um, given for us and and doing it in remembrance of Him, the institution of, um, of the Eucharist, yes. um, that that is somehow forming and shaping us in a certain way, mm. in a physical way, a way that's like subconscious to our mind minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's true also with Sabbath rest. I think there's something about physically forcing yourself to, uh, not be productive in a world that's right. driven by productivity, especially mm-hmm. in American culture where we obsessed with being productive. Um, there's something that's so countercultural and, and, and helpful about forcing yourself to rest in certain ways. And then of course, in our culture, resting should often look like not just sitting on the couch um, and, and nothing else. Sometimes it does look like that, but sometimes it looks like doing a hobby like gardening or mm-hmm. uh, maybe going on a walk with your spouse and getting some exercise and, um, those sorts of like that that we can still be physically embodied as we're resting. Um, but I think that that doing um, something like Sabbath rest is, is a way in which that we can actually physically embody the idea of justification by faith alone, exactly. right? Exactly. So, like, we can believe abstractly yeah. in our minds that... You know, I believe in Jesus, and therefore I'm saved, and no, none of my good works are going to get me um, uh, approval before God, but mm-hmm. Jesus did it on my behalf. We can kind of yes. say those things and believe them cognitively uh-huh. in our heads, but to actually physically almost act it out like theater,
1: yeah.
2: where we're showing um, th- through our physical bodies, we're showing that I don't have to earn anything, <laughs> Um, and I can rest in in yeah. his grace. And we're doing that by practicing the very physical uh, spiritual mm-hmm. discipline of Sabbath keeping. Mm-hmm. That's like a totally different way of living into our faith because we're doing it in this physical
1: way. That's exactly and, right. It's like um, when we, when we observe Sabbath, when we participate in it. We're, we're demonstrating the gospel right. through rest. Yeah. And it's in a physical
2: way that you yeah. can see with your eyes. You can touch with your so your, true. And your children can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a much deeper impact um, on us because all this cognitive science is showing that, our brains are so formed by our our bodies, not just that our minds that we believe Jesus saved us so we don't have to be productive. Therefore, like eventually, uh, you know, our actions will catch up to that belief. Yeah. That's kind of how we, we tend to believe as Westerners is that if I have the idea, the right ideas, and then my, my life will follow through the rest of the way. Um, It's cognitive psychology is basically showing us that how important it is to act out as if it were true. And Mm -hmm. then your brain starts to believe it to be true, you know? Um, And so acting out prayer, I'm a big fan of, of spiritual disciplines that are more physical. So when I pray, I I prefer to pray on my knees because Mm -hmm. there's something about embodying the posture of humility before God that kind of puts you in that space. Um, It's similar to when I'm in worship and I don't really feel like worshiping, God, I'll still lift my hands, Uh you know. But there's something about the heart
1: will follow. Yeah, the heart follows exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and some of us as Westerners, especially Protestants, I think, are really suspicious of that idea Mm. for some reason because I think we think that it has to start in our brain and then and then kind of naturally. Act its way out outside of us. I think I think there's a weird uh, fear sometimes that people think that it's um, a law kind of like works righteousness sort of thing. That like I'm gonna do the physical thing, you know, mm. and fake it, fake fake the physical thing. And of course, we can all be Pharisaical and we can all go that way where we're just doing the external behaviors and our hearts not mm. following. Um, but if we're if our hearts are in the in the right place before God and we're bringing our you know all of our junk to Him yeah. and we're doing that and acting those spiritual disciplines out in a physical way. I just think it's so important. So when I meet Christians, that that's this is all why, by the way, the pandemic was so hard is that we were all isolated from each other. We were isolated from our faith communities. Mm. Um, our children had to do school online, um, and so we were part of what it means to be human was completely taken away from us. Is that we were meant to be physically present to to God and to one another, and that was removed because being physically present meant that we might give each other COVID, <laughs> right. right? And so yeah. part of the reason why, um, and there's still people that are going getting through tremendous amounts of anxiety and depression from the last two or three years that are related to that but that's one of the reasons why it was so hard is that part of what we what we needed to be human beings to be in relationality with each other to be physically present with each other was removed Mm -hmm. um and what i i still meet people a lot today that had a pretty robust faith um, of participating in their body, their their local church body and, and showing up physically, even though it's hard, um, practicing that embodied presence, that embodied attention, being attentive to their lives. And then since the pandemic, they haven't recovered. Yeah. They're still kind of watching church online yeah. um, and not really showing up and they're not pursuing relationships anymore because they lost the habit. You know, I think a lot of people lost the habit of showing up physically in places yeah. um, and so that isolation has become a pandemic in, in, of, of itself uh, mm-hmm. not just with believers but with all human beings or all, 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 all people in, a, um, in our culture right now so mm-hmm. anyway so that's why I, I agree with people like Andy Crouch when he says that like the future of evangelism is just going to be like basic hospitality mm-hmm. <laughs> like just inviting people into your home yes. physically right. you know physically showing people how you can have physical presence with each other and it be a, a, a place of joy and a place of relationship is, is really the future of evangelism. So, anyway, that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. But
1: well, no, that this this is so important. I think what a time to be living when we've we've gone through the pandemic and we have seen how it impacted us to not have that embodied presence with one another. We saw how ill equipped we were to be alone, to be isolated. You know, one, we're not meant to be, but also, uh, you know, not being able to be in our room uh, alone with our thoughts or whatever. So, uh, so how important is that? So, I hear you saying then that. Um, that it's, it's super, and I love this, that I imagine it becomes a habit. It probably has with your family to be, to, to be able to stand back for a minute. And when you're faced with making a decision about, uh, in relationship or with food or with your family, um, seeing maybe, the The best choice to make is one that's embodied and how can I do that? How can I make a choice here between two things that is more embodied that where I'm more fully present to it in my body and with each other? So has that become an actual habit for you and your family? I imagine at first it was a lot of intentional decisions. And it still is, I'm, I'm sure. But is it more of a habit now?
2: Yeah, it, it is definitely more of a habit. Um, and it, it was definitely more challenging during the pandemic just because so many things were cut off from us. Yeah. Um, but and it, So we've had to relearn certain habits, you know, uh, that we had to maybe put a hold on. Um, just like having people over. Like before the pandemic, we would just have much more uh, robust, maybe community life in our home. We still okay. are part of a small group. Um, but those things are just so hard. Like every time we go to a small group, it's so hard, but so worth it. every Mm -hmm. time we have somebody over for dinner it's so hard but so worth it and you could say it's like the difficulty leads to beauty um and i think that you cannot like i said earlier you can't have one without the other um so to your what would you do you Ask the question again, just because I kind of rabbit. I'm just
1: wondering bit. if it if if this these intentional decisions with your family and with relationships with food, you know, because I've known you a number of years now, and I know that's been important to you. To if you have a, a decision to make, you would want to go toward the more embodied decision. Has it become more habit for your family? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. I, I think the first few years we had trouble like physically resting, um, in the sense of just like sitting. Like my wife and I are pretty um, intense people. Um, <laughs> so we're not good at just like sitting down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we'll, like we have furniture sometimes that we just like, I don't know if I've ever even sat on it. <laughs> um, so because of that we tend to be pretty active. Um, and so that's a mostly good, but I think that it's, uh, we, we've learned probably over the last two years, how important it is for things like, um, like that to, to, do, to do sleep well, something like sleep requires you to create the conditions, like the physical conditions of sleep around you so that sleep then happens on its own Mm -hmm. because you can't actually make yourself sleep. Um, You only can create the conditions of sleep. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, a dark room or a pillow or, or, you Mm -hmm. know, nighttime, all those kinds of things. So, um, So the habit of like resting and getting good sleep at night Uh, it's, that has been something that we've had to learn how to do in the sense that we had to create the condition, the physical conditions where we have to almost have a liturgy of bedtime where we get in bed a certain time and we read a book, you know, alone and maybe do a certain prayer ritual or something, um, and then wind down into sleep. But I think in our culture, um, uh, we just want sleep to just kind of have, it's the same thing we talked about earlier where we we don't want to go through the hard process of a thing Mm -hmm. and then get the result that we just want to like lay down and it just happens mm-hmm. and we have all these anxieties and distractions and we've been looking at our phone,
0: yeah. you know,
2: the whole time. So, uh, it, all these habits have really stuck. One of the habits for us is stuck that that's been perpetual has been spending time outside. <laughs> um, and how important like going on hikes has been to yeah. our like soul rest and being right. in creation. I think in, um, in our world that's very sanitized and very locked away from the outside world that there's something just a special grace, like a or a common grace uh, of God's revealing his majesty and beauty in nature. Mm-hmm. And there's something about it that, and there's science that backs this up. There's science that says when you hear song. Uh, bird song that actually it will lo- lower your um, blood pressure yeah. for example um, so I think habits like going outside on walks and hikes have been really helpful mm-hmm. when Melissa and I my wife go on a date we intentionally only walk and th- th- there is science mm-hmm. too like when you move your feet back and forth like all the best philosophers were walkers mm-hmm. it works your left and right brain a mm-hmm. certain way what's so cool about all this like stuff with when it comes to spiritual disciplines and like re- reclaiming um, like a robust Christian uh, I uh, theology of the body is mm. that there's all the science that's back backing it, it all up. Exactly. I mean, I know that's, when, with your research and all your work you've done on the Sabbath, mm. that that's also true. Mm. Um, you can't just work and work and work and yeah. be as productive as ever. Eventually you start to get less productive right. if you never rest. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, yeah, but uh, the spiritual disciplines, all of them, I think one of the things, too, that I, that has been helpful is how, how important it is to do those things in community as well as alone. Mm-hmm. I think I was raised thinking that you always had to do everything completely in isolation, right. but um, we have a good dear friend of ours who is battling through cancer and in our small group we started fasting and praying together um either uh separately in our own places of work um but it was always at the same time and there was something about doing a spiritual discipline like fasting um on it we were doing it on Wednesday mornings for a long time, mm-hmm. doing a community that 's just so much more powerful uh, than than doing it in isolation, so right. um, I do think that whole idea of uh, embodied presence and embodied attention, doing things physical and being attentive to them, and the more physical they are, the better like you know uh, mm-hmm. The, you could think of the text, texting is the least physical, C- calling someone on the phone is a little bit more physical, so that's better. But then showing up in person, being in and, person. Be, and being in person yeah. is even better because mm-hmm. you're more physical. So the, you can kind of take that scheme and put it on anything in your life, that it's better to be more physical. It's better if you can go to church versus do online church. Yeah. It's better to physically mm-hmm. show up. Mm-hmm. Um but I've just found that as you do those things, when you bring community into the mix, like when you when you make a meal from scratch, there's something really beautiful about that. But when you make a meal from scratch with friends, mm-hmm. like people that you share life with that, yeah. that lift you up and encourage you, you yeah. know, the church your the church that that kind of is your that bearing your burdens with you in life. There's something that's even extra. It's like mm-hmm. multiplies the beauty and the experience. You yeah. know, um, going on a walk with somebody versus yeah. just by yourself. So I, I I've I think that, um, and it's also, what's helpful about doing spiritual disciplines and any of these sort of disciplines, um, is when you do them in community, there's already that built in accountability. You know, you have a shared, uh, understanding of the experience and it's just, it makes it so much more powerful versus like, me by myself and yeah. going to fast today yeah. or me by myself. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever the thing is. And and I think that there's a huge place for that. And that's super important, but I was never taught growing up the importance of doing these things in community and right. how much more powerful they can be when you, just, when you share them together, yeah. whatever the spiritual discipline may be. So
1: exactly. And I, I just, I hear you saying, you know, over and over again, just with the things like even the things that you're describing right now, it just feels like such a recovery, you know, recovering things that have been lost, things that we have just let go, that we've squandered. You know, back to the beginning of our conversation, we we're talking about the garden, and the fellowship, and the communion. You know, and the the community. <laughs> just you know, to hear that is just it evokes kind of a sadness in the heart, but also real hopeful that that so many of these things can be recovered for us as we give that intentional um, decision to be fully present to these things in our lives and and the hard work. You know, again, too, you've expressed over and over that it's meant to be hard, that this is hard work, but the beauty that comes from the hard work, the beauty, um, the shalom, and so... I appreciate so much, Joey, all that you've shared. Is there anything else that is on your heart that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap this up, unfortunately?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I think that, um, you know, call somebody instead of text them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Invite a friend over, you know, go on a walk, um, go on a hike, uh, go swim in nature, you know, invite Mm. somebody to do it with you. There's just something, especially when you do it with open hands, um, open to experiencing God in those moments. Um, And so I think framing all of our experiences Experiences in such a way, there's a there's a book that I really like for anyone that would be interested. A couple books, but one of them um, is a series of books rather. It's called Every Moment Holy.
1: Oh, feasting with friends is that what? Yeah, you've there's been? There, <laughs> the, the book
2: is called Every Moment right. Holy, but it's yeah. all these different liturgies about yeah. um, that you can pray um, before any kind of mundane, mundane experience. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's a liturgy for like stargazing, a liturgy mm-hmm. for the first fire of the season. Mm-hmm. There's a liturgy for um, going on a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, one for feast, having a meal with friends yeah. that you can pray together. Yeah. Um, and I have found that it's a way in which you can kind of um, uh, take spiritual disciplines and maybe spread them throughout your your yeah. whole life so yeah. that as you're there's also one a lit, there's two liturgies for changing diapers I know
1: <laughs> and yes I love those um, and
2: so some people will get uh, uh, frames of prayers, and they'll put them in those yeah. in the places they're home when they're doing those things. The right. liturgy for making a meal, they'll put it kind of in the kitchen yeah. somewhere so they can pray those things. But, um, I love the idea of, of, uh, kind of democratizing spiritual discipline. So they're yes. not just these five things, but that you yeah. can kind of, obviously the fasting and prayer and, and, and Sabbath, these sorts of like mega capital um, S spiritual disciplines are super duper important, but I love the idea of, of how can we spread them into all other areas of our life as well yeah, um, and, and make too. all of life essentially a spiritual discipline, right?
1: Exactly. I, that's what I hear you saying. And I'm so glad you brought up that book because I was thinking about a liturgy for feasting with friends and how, you know, a meal becomes such a holy proclamation of the, the King coming again, you know, and um. But just, as you say, showing up to our life as a sacrament and engaging with our life as if every moment does really matter and is holy and is a gift, you know, and so that's a lot of what I've been moved to do as I've listened to you talk today um, Joey, thank you so much yeah, for being for with me. us, and to our listeners, thank you for for being with us as well. This is amazing. And did you want to mention any other books um, or resources for people? One of the the volume that you talked about, um, Every Moment Holy, also has a the second volume of Entering into Grief and Suffering and Loss and Death. It's very good, yeah. which is also really beautiful to mm-hmm. um, the yeah. hard work of grieving and of suffering and of, of our being physically present to even that. So yeah there are Probably, any other
2: resources. Most of the books that, um, I, that I have been really inspired by are just super academic mm-hmm. and, and, and pretty inaccessible. There's one book called um, You Are What You Love by James right. K. Smith. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good starting point for this whole mm-hmm. idea of kind of reclaiming um, our physical presence. It and and he, he more focuses on like uh, uh, habits in our life, mm-hmm. like how habits shape human behavior and shape human loves. Um, But You Are What You Love by James C. Smith is a really great place to start if this is a topic that's new to you, the idea that the body can actually even matter Mm. um, to our faith.
1: That's good. We'll list that in the show notes. Cool. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's chathop.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.